0: My theme is uh, walking in the dust, as we've said, as Fraser so beautifully explained. And particularly I want to look at his authority today. If you don't remember much from my sermon today, remember just this one thing. All authority comes from relationship. That was one thing Jackie Pullinger always used to preach to us. When we, Jean and I, helped in Hong Kong there, um, all relationships comes, sorry, all authority comes from relationship. Jesus had relationship with his father, and any authority that any of us might bear will be because we have relationship with our father, with Jesus. All authority comes from relationship. Now you might wonder, what the heck is that picture doing up there? Um, I want to explain so that it's not a distraction why I've got this plaster thing on my hand. Just this last Monday, I've had a carpal tunnel operation. I just thought I'd show you this, a couple of pictures about a hand. Amazing God's, how God's creation uh, works. This is just the hand that it. it shows. The... Um, transverse carpal ligament there. Can you see that little white bit there? It forms a tunnel, and in that carpal tunnel, apparently, um, loads of uh, tendons, those blue bits are the tendons, and that yellowy bit going right up the middle there, apparently that is the median nerve. And sometimes that median nerve gets a bit squashed and compressed, and when that happens, uh, you can get very painful wrists, and I've been having that happen to me. So um, the oh, let me just show you another picture. This is even more exciting. Right. Oh, well, that, that worked then, didn't it? Um, so look at that. That—that that <laughs> is what God has made. Look at that. How on earth could you say that that sort of an incredible creation came from a big bang? Yeah. That looks nice, doesn't it? The big bang. Look at that. So what they did was cut through my transverse papal ligament. And that releases the squashness, apparently. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Walking in the dust of Jesus. I've written there, bearing his authority, that's for us. We can bear his authority. But I must say clearly, the word authority... Is first of all, Jesus' authority is his total sovereignty, especially after he died and rose again. He said to his disciples, "All authority in heaven on earth Have I got this one. Oh yeah. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Is that familiar? You might have heard it here in our baptism pool. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Only Jesus and his father will ever have that sort of authority. We can't bear that sort of authority, can we? But we can begin to have more like a confidence in him when we follow him, when we're covered with his dust. We can begin to have a boldness as Christians. Do you want that? Mm. (laughs) I do. Sometimes I have it, sometimes I don't but we can begin to grow a confidence and a boldness in him through relationship with him. In our workplaces, perhaps some of us might have a little bit of responsibility, perhaps have a team under us, um, perhaps with teachers or in a teaching situation with with others. Um, If you want authority in that situation, we still need relationship. Don't we? We need a relationship where people can respect us, but also like us. Authority comes through relationship. So as we follow Jesus, called and chosen, we don't have to believe in our own greatness. Have you been watching The Apprentice? The apprentice is on our TV screens again at the moment, isn't it? I don't know if you enjoy that programme, I occasionally catch it. But you'll know that on that programme, the most noticeable candidates are the ones who really are the most narcissistic. Narcissistic means um, people who tend to adore themselves and worship themselves, really, on the quiet You might hear some candidates on The Apprentice saying something along the lines of, I'm strong and decisive. Um, I'm an excellent leader. I'm going to be a millionaire, a (laughs) multi-millionaire. They seem to have confidence. Um, And as the programme goes on, of course, (laughs) we tend to eventually see them falling. (laughs) And um, Lord Sugar's hand (laughs) creeps up at the end of that programme and says, you're fine. I like it. You're fired. (laughs) It all makes good television, doesn't it? (laughs) Thankfully, we don't have to be like that. We Christians don't have to boast about ourselves, about our skills or our brilliance. Some of us might well be brilliant. Some of us do have excellent skills, but we don't need to talk about it, do we? We don't need to boast about it. We certainly don't need to be like... um, A certain candidate in the United States? Presidential? Hmm.
1: Unfortunately, arrogance is
0: usually a mask for insecurity, isn't it? But as followers of Jesus, we can safely and wisely humble ourselves. We can afford to humble ourselves. What a relief. (laughs) We'll never get fired as disciples of Jesus. But Jesus himself was an incredible man of incredible confidence, wasn't he? He did show this natural authority that people were magnetically drawn to, it seems. All sorts of people would be drawn to him. Just they wanted to see what he did, they wanted to hear his words, perhaps to them individually, or perhaps to a whole crowd of five thousand plus. They wanted to hear him and see him. They were drawn. Now there's one amazing little incident in the Gospels. I think it's in a couple of the Gospels where we see, and it, it's uh, we read in the Gospels that Jesus himself was taken aback. Jesus was astonished says some of the versions. Jesus was amazed. I want us to find that incident. It's um, in Matthew 8. It's also in Luke but we're going to look at Matthew 8. If you've got your Bibles available or your electronic Bibles, whatever they are, find Matthew 8 and verse 5. This is when Jesus meets a centurion, a Roman soldier, but this guy had authority, didn't he? Matthew 8, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I'll go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, He was astonished. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness. Well, they'll be be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what happened, do you think, there? I think this Roman centurion had quickly discerned the authority of Jesus. He probably didn't know him. He probably hadn't spent any time in Jesus' presence. But I think a Roman centurion used to hierarchy. My goodness, probably the fiercest hierarchy in the ancient world. He knew about authority, didn't he? He used it himself, and he saw others all around him scurrying to their leader or to the emperor's command. He knew about authority, and he discerned it quickly in Jesus. But he saw in Jesus that Jesus had authority over sickness, which he himself hadn't sorted out. He himself did not have that power. He was worried for his servant. That gives us a bit of a clue about this Roman century, and He must have been a lovely guy. He must have had relationship with his servants even. Some sort of a good relationship. So Jesus was amazed. And that is recorded. He loved the discernment and the faith in that century. But people, yes, travelled miles and miles probably to be with Jesus. To watch what he did and hear what he said. It wasn't just young men who uh, followed him. Uh, We know all about the disciples last week uh, uh, in the previous sermons about the disciples following him. Being called and just got up and followed. But also women and children too. All sorts of people came to Jesus. Now. Uh, all ages, I don't know about Father Christmas here, I'm not sure what he's doing there. All ages came, came to Jesus. Different races there, you can see in that picture. Certainly people of different status in life. The poor, the nameless came to him, as well as the rich And the unknown, sorry. And the known, I should say. Even unclean people came to Jesus. They made the effort. It would have been an effort for some of those unclean people, as they were called. They were ones who were used to hiding, weren't they? Ill women. Women covered in shame. Perhaps covered by guilt or someone else's shame. People tormented by demons seemed to come across Jesus, they were drawn to him. And utterly despised tax collectors noticed him. We've just read about the Roman centurion even, finding him out, seeking him out. All those people were affected, struck by Jesus's obvious authority and confidence. Jesus displayed authority over sickness. That was a feared enemy of the ancient world. We're not so terrified nowadays by, by illness, depending on what it is, of course. But um, that in the ancient days, illness was absolutely terrifying. They were used to their children dying, of course. They were used to people dying early. Uh, compared to our times. You remember the story of Jairus's daughter being healed? And that was the same day where a woman, a nameless woman, she had no name, she came to him. And then Jesus' authority seemed to leak out of him without him really directing it. She just had the guts to come along and touch the dusty hem of his dusty cloak. She got covered in his dust then. She got covered in his healing power. Jairus at that point, of course, was getting a bit worried. Um, He thought his daughter must be now, be at end of life, as the NHS calls it, end of life. Both sicknesses, however, were healed by Jesus. Can you imagine being there on that day, seeing this nameless woman being healed? And then if you'd followed Jesus a bit more, you'd have seen him heal this little girl at at the end of her life, and he healed her. Use your imagination. What would you start thinking if you'd witnessed that? If you'd witnessed those two healings? What would you start thinking? What do you reckon? Give us a shout out. What, what would you start thinking if you'd seen two powerful healings right in front of your eyes? What would you think? Sorry? Amazed? amazed? Yeah, definitely amazed. Anything else? What Jesus said about himself says about himself is true. Yes, his words. Yep, were dependable. Were true. Might be hopeful. Yes hope i think particularly if i'd been a little bit unwell with something on that day or worried about a family member who was very ill i would have hope that day i would see hope in the person of jesus christ hope is what he gave to people and they flocked to him Jesus also displayed authority over stormy winds and waves. We know that story, don't we? He calmed the waves. (laughs) He didn't seem worried by rough waves. Now, Jean and I and Hannah live in Torquay, where we are blessed to own a little boat. I think I've got a slide of it here. Oh, Oh. hi. There's our boat. That's our beagle sitting in there. Can you see it? Jean is actually on the boat. You can't quite see him too well, but he's on there. That's often to be seen going in and out of Torquay Harbour. Some people ask us about the name of the boat, and we go you know, into a long conversation about it, which is great. But um, It's a motor cruiser. We're very blessed. Now, Jean himself is not scared of a rough sea. But I am, <laughs> I've got to say, I am not too keen when the sea starts hmm, slowly rolling as it does. Um, I, I would much rather be out of the boat at that point. Um, but Jesus didn't seem worried. And of course, if you remember that Jesus was at creation, at the point of creation, he knew all about the movements of seas, didn't he? He knew all about that. He simply ordered the stormy waters at the Sea of Galilee to calm down. And they quietened. He commanded and they obeyed him. His authority over stormy winds and waves was not brought into question except by a few frightened disciples. When the Creator the command. The created obeys. Enough said. You know also that uh, a quick read through any of the four Gospels will tell you that Jesus also yielded total authority over unclean spirits and evil spirits. Same thing. If you're newish to Christianity today, Or maybe you've been to church for many years, but don't really um, accept the whole thing, the whole talk of evil spirits. You do need to to reckon with this. The leadership team of this church do believe in and know about unclean or evil spirits. In our church, we don't tend to talk much up front about evil spirits because we don't believe in giving them the air. You know, we don't need to talk too much about Satan, we'd much rather talk about Jesus and worship Jesus, read his word out and think about him and pray to him. Um, But evil spirits, I'm afraid, are still active. They are very active and can affect anyone who uh, uh, who is not on guard with their spirit. The presence of Jesus is without doubt stronger than anything unclean, any unclean spirit, and can totally get rid of them. Do talk with the leadership team if any of that troubles you. And of course, the other main area of authority in Jesus was his confidence with the truth. God's truths, his truths. We read at the end of this sermon on uh, or so the end of the sermon on the mount in Matthew's gospel. That's my last one when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, that is his Sermon on the Mount, because he taught as one who had authority. They noticed it, didn't they? They noticed it. Perhaps the most galling thing about Jesus, for the law, law-obsessed Pharisees, or the teachers of the law, was that the ordinary people, the ordinary masses around them, liked to listen to Jesus. Jesus. Jesus didn't nag people, he encouraged them. He encouraged them to love one another, to think of their holy father differently than as a fearful, legalistic punisher. He always wanted to present his loving father to people, not present religious disapproval. He preached radical forgiveness, radical holiness and he loved to tell parables about the kingdom of God, his kingdom, coming. The kingdom of God was with, them, with those people right there and then. It's still with us now. Unfortunately, those who disapproved of Jesus' words or disapproved of his actions, they were covered in a bad dust of jealousy. Jesus was not afraid of confrontation with his words and he confronted that jealousy in the Pharisees, didn't he? He confronted their hypocrisy, their jealousy and their prejudice or their lies. Jesus' words were brave, honest, kind, also appropriately confronting. We need to study how he wielded his truths and as he did, how he did it. So that was Jesus' authority. I'm sure that much more could be said, but I've tried to sum it up a bit. But how do we as his followers try and begin to, to walk, to speak, to work, to have relationship with similar sort of authority. Can we? Is that realistic? Can we have authority in Jesus? You remember Jesus did pray for us that we would do his works and even greater ones. That's in John's gospel, isn't it? That we, his followers, would do even greater stuff than Jesus. How on earth Do we do that? As I said, relationship with God. But also, we must be wearing his dust. We must be wearing his dust. Maybe for some of us, maybe some of us need to shake off another dust. Might we be wearing a dust of uh, fear? Or is there a, a, a dusty kind of guilt hanging on us is someone else's disgrace hanging on us something they may have did may have done in the past to us these sorts of grimy dusts tend to limit us they tend to silence us They might even choke us. Sometimes we need help. Well, we will need help in removing that wrong dust off of us. And I've got to tell you clearly, that is what prayer ministry is for. Whether that's, you know, out of a church service like this or in in today, for example. Prayer ministry is when your brothers and sisters in Christ just come alongside you and just pray off some of the, the rubbish that shouldn't be on us. You know, the, the guilt, the shame, the, uh, the fears. We can get prayer for that. Don't be afraid of prayer ministry. It is an excellent gift to us. And uh, those in the prayer team, I want you to be re- ready today to offer that kind of freedom to people who are dusted wrongly. You know, got the wrong sort of dust on them. Let us be covered in Jesus' dust. Mm. By following him. By having relationship mm. with Jesus. Because faith, it can be a real fight for some of us, can't it? It can be a fight. It is. <laughs> it is a fight. It's certainly a battlefield in the mind going on, isn't there? Yeah. Every day, we get discouraged. We can get... Um, just tired. We can get, just get worn out emotionally and physically. It's a fight to believe sometimes, especially when we're overcome with an illness. But if our brothers and sisters in Christ pray for us and with us, things start to happen. Some of us have been particularly, well perhaps all of us, have been particularly praying about chris chrissy sparks at the moment and i've heard from val this morning that um she's had terrible pain in the in the previous nights but today we hear she's completely without pain having had her first bout of chemo we continue to pray for chrissy but how fabulous illness does respond to prayer So let us be covered in his dust and no other one, no other dust. We walk with him and we must live with him, covered in him. Shall we pray together? Jesus, we want to be covered in your dust, following you eagerly, without fear, and learning from you daily. Lord, we want to shed the wrong kind of dust that may have been (coughs) stuck onto us, sticking still, perhaps, for some of us. Help some of us today, Lord, um, get rid of that today with with the prayers of our brothers and sisters. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come now. Come, Spirit. Come along, Lord. Show us the bad dust. Move in this place now. By the power of your name. By the righteousness of your blood that was shed on the cross. By the power of your resurrection. Show us what we need to have prayed off or prayed into us. Prayer team, today we must speak (coughs) with Jesus' boldness. We must speak today with quiet authority. We must banish illness and encourage faith. Prayer team, we must speak prophetic, the Spirit's words prophetically, boldly today. Use his name and his authority today as we pray.